0: Hey Bankless Nation, welcome to another episode of State of the Nation where we do a deep dive on a hot topic. The hot topic this week is Ave V3, the Super. return of Ave. Super excited about this. New Ave version just launched. We have the founder of Ave on the episode today, and we're gonna talk with Stani all about the launch of Ave. We're gonna talk about some other things too, David. What uh what's on the agenda for today?
1: Yeah, Aave has expanded its scope just beyond borrowing and lending. So, in addition to Aave, we're going to talk a little bit about Lens Protocol. We had a uh, Christina from from Aave on to uh, on our panel all about social, the Web three social world, uh, which is something that is boiling under the scenes. I think behind the behind the the, the front front page of Web three. Social Web 3 is a thing and Ave, the team at Ave, is kind of leading the charge. So there's a, so much to unpack with Ave V3, but there's also so much to unpack with uh, Lens Protocol. And of course, Donnie has been around since before you and I, Ryan. And so I would just want to pick the brain of an OG DeFi builder that's kind of seen it all. What's he think about the world of crypto in 2022? We're going to get into all of these subjects.
0: Yeah, I've got a lot of questions for him, particularly on that uh that last piece, right? To mm-hmm. be able to pick his brain and talk about will will defi ever recover relative <laughs> to eth? What does he think about this new crop of um, defi 2.0 builders? This this mm-hmm. new class, these uh these young hooligans and <laughs> are they shaking things up? So, uh, a lot more to talk about. Guys, uh before we get into the episode, want to tell you a bit more about uh Zirion, Our friends at Zerion. they've got an announcement, a special announcement. I think we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. They are releasing a multi-chain world here. A lot more to explore on Xerion. Xerion, of course, is a place where you could take your non-custodial wallet, whether that's MetaMask, whether that's your ledger, you keep your private keys, you plug it into this fantastic interface, and then you could do things, do things with your crypto money. Imagine that, that's what DeFi provides. and you could do things cross chain. Mm -hmm. So if you look at this, David, I've got Optimism here, I've got uh, Avalanche, I've got Ethereum, across multiple layer twos and also across alternative layer ones. You can also bridge. It'd be a bridge or you can move from Ethereum to Polygon in just one click with Zerion as well. Uh, if you click this more button, you can see save, borrow, other things you can do within the Zerion interface. Man, this is a way a bank should be, right? Because this is a, a bankless user interface. I think every what everything we were hoping would come true when Stani started the Aave protocol, now coming true in DeFi with interfaces and aggregators like Zerion. Uh, what else you want to say about this awesome tool, David? Well, this is going to be particular, particularly relevant because this
1: is a brand new feature in Aave V3 we're going to talk about. It's called Portals because Aave V3 is not on the Ethereum L1 exclusively. It is all across so many different Layer 2s and other Layer 1 chains. Uh, and so not only is Zerion bridging between all the chains, uh, but so is Ave itself. So I think Zerion is probably going to ultimately be an interface for the many, many different versions of Ave V3 that are deployed all across the crypto universe. Uh, so this is a very timely topic to be talking about
0: a multi-chain, multi-Layer 2 world. Yeah, absolutely. So all you got to do is grab your wallet, your non custodial wallet, plug it into Zerion. You'll you'll see a link in the invite to do that and uh, get started track your assets. Uh, David, got to ask you the question I ask at the outset of these conversations, which is what is the state of the nation today?
1: Ryan, the state of the nation is upgrading. This one was easy this week. We are certainly upgrading in Ave V3. This is the state of the nation, of course. Not only is Ave V3 upgrading from V2 to V3, but we are upgrading from a monolithic L1 world to a world of many, many chains. So whether you believe the future is multi-layer two or multi-chain, we are upgrading nonetheless. And so, Ryan, we are going to explore what does it mean to upgrade in the world of 2022 in crypto? So, Ryan, we are upgrading this week. Uh-
0: that's a great topic. Guys, I can't wait to talk to Stani. It's been over a year, yeah. maybe more since yeah. we've had him on the podcast. So can't wait to pick his brain a bit more. We will be right back with Stani. But before we get to the conversation, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Hey, guys, we are back talking about the return of Ave with none other than the founder of Ave, Stani Kluchov. He is the founder and CEO of Ave. He's a builder in DeFi before we called it DeFi. I'm pretty sure. You remember the ETH days, David? Yeah, remember certainly. those days? Mm-hmm. Uh, now he's expanding his horizons to the world of Web3 and social. We're going to talk about Ave V3, which was just released. We're going to talk about Web3 Social, what that means. We're also going to get his take on the state of DeFi today because Stani is an OG DeFi builder, and he's going to lend us a lot of perspective. Stani, been a long time since we've seen you on Bankless, man. Welcome back
2: thank you so much it's good to do a comeback here thanks (laughs) thanks ryan thanks david uh and uh, nice to meet all the DJs here too (laughs)
0: that's right you know what so um we call this episode the return of ave but the truth is ave never left Mm -hmm. you guys have been doing stuff uh for a very long time and shipping every step of the way that's uh you know why why i think ave rose to prominence is because you have one of the 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 shippiest teams in all of crypto and all of DeFi. But um, before we get into kind of the meat of what you've shipped recently with Ave V three, I'm just curious, man. So what have you been up to lately? What's what's uh, Stani been doing lately? How are you dividing your time these days?
2: Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, I, I would say that most of my time goes into uh, into definitely into the building. So I I try to uh, spend as much as time as possible uh, in the product side. And, of course, a bit on the strategy, but recently, all the time that I, I have more left, uh, I'm trying to vision a bit more where uh, and which direction the Web3 uh, is going towards. And, of course, uh, in terms of the talent creation, because the other team is is growing. Uh, I think last time when I was um, uh, in, in Bankless, uh, we had 17, 18. Uh, team members at Ave, and now we have uh, almost reaching 100 so yeah. we're scaling in that sense and I, I think the reason actually why we are shipping quite a lot of things is that we have an amazing team that is just uh, dedicated on pushing these protocols and interesting uh, uh, interesting innovation out so it, it pretty much is a kind of like a uh, team effort and, and I, I think like that's what i realized uh recently that you know if you if you want to go very far uh you really need to do it in a team effort way so that has been uh my kind of a focus at the moment and finding new new things to to build of course <laughs>
1: Stani, the Aave team has always, in my mind, kind of stood out from the rest. Uh, Ryan said the, the shippiest, which is definitely definitely a, an interesting and appropriate adjective, I would say, to describe the Aave team. And DeFi has certainly progressed as well since we've last talked. And in order to kind of set the context for this conversation about the details of Aave v3, I first want to get your take on what DeFi, what crypto, what, what Web3 has really done in 2021 that might have informed some of the decision making on the Ave team to build certain features into Ave V3. So again, kind of just like zooming out and getting your take, uh, we haven't talked since 2021 crypto happened. So how, how would you just zoom out and reflect on 2021 crypto and, and what it means for DeFi? And how would you say that's impacted some of the decisions, uh, both behind the leadership and decision making at Ave and also how that's gone into some of the prioritizations of Ave V3?
2: Yeah, definitely a lot. I mean, uh, when we uh, first the built the, our version one, so we were building a protocol that we imagined uh, holding maybe uh, 20, uh, uh, 30 million worth of value locked in smart contracts uh, very early days uh, in 2019, uh, ended up holding uh, a few hundred million worth of uh, assets. Uh, and then with the version uh, version two, We were planning that maybe we'll hold a few hundred million, uh, maybe up to billion. And in the current state, across all the networks, is is pretty much um, securing roughly uh, uh, 14 uh, billion worth of value in the smart contracts. So essentially, when we approached the uh, version three uh, uh, upgrade of the the, the protocol and and the code base, we we took two big initiatives. One um, was was very important to us is the risk factor. So we started to realize that the ecosystem has started to grow. And not not only in the sense that we have very interesting uh, money Legos, we have very good uh, base um, line protocols uh, from from lending, from uh, trading, but also that the space has grown uh, and spilled over into multiple networks. Uh, And and there's a lot of user adoption here. So we realized that these protocols are starting to scale and they have a protocol market fit. And what's um, fascinating here is that um, uh, we understood that maybe actually uh, these protocols will be used, especially Aave, uh, in a way that we use HTTPS or IP protocol when we browse the internet. So they might be utilized by everyone uh, who has access to finance uh, directly or indirectly. So we started to think like how we can actually put the risk factor in front of how we're building things. We always built in a way that we want to build resilient, uh, safe and secure protocols, but you know, it's people and, and talent who is building. So there's always, uh, risk that we need to mitigate, and also there's governance that uh, adds risk or uh, reduces risk depending on what kind of assets or risk parameters are set. So we try to uh, build in a risk-averse way. And second thing, uh, what was important for us is the capital efficiency. So many of these uh, protocols are layered in a way that uh, you know you might be using one DeFi protocol, but under the hood there is another. Uh, protocol that the funds are going and a third one and and there's a lot of layering and different kinds of governance levels as well. So the the capital efficiency played quite a lot of role because we wanted to ensure that uh, it's a competitive protocol that we're building and at the same time it's scalable in in terms of uh, uh, risk-wise.
1: So, and also something that's brand new in the world of 2022 crypto um, and also later into the second half of 2021 is the explosion of many, many chains, including uh, many layer two chains, alternative layer one chains. I know you were just at the uh, Avalanche Summit, I believe in Barcelona, Spain, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's just growing ecosystems spanning, uh, like crypto is just spreading its tentacles all across everywhere, including alternative layer ones. And V 3 is actually being deployed on, I believe, six different EVM compatible chains. Uh, Polygon. Exactly. Yeah. Polygon, Phantom, Avalanche, uh, a few others. Which ones am I missing? Uh, uh, Arbitrum, Optimism, Harmony, and of course the Ethereum L1. Uh, and I think that I think that is a great place to start when it comes to Aave v3, uh, because one of the cool new features in Aave v3 is something that you guys are calling portals. Can you walk us through portals and what is brand new with Aave v3 when it comes to portals?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, portals is essentially a feature where we realize that, um, you know, there's a lot of transaction between one particular chain to another. There's this bridging element. So bridge essentially is a uh, kind of like a community service that is provided by um, uh, a project, a community, or uh, which is usually a multi-signature wallet, where you know it, it holds the transactioning and messaging between one network to another. So for example, when you want to um, access the the, the Polygon network, but you have your funds in Layer One, you have to get them some way. Into that other network so essentially what happens is that you lock your funds in the the main network and then on the another network uh equal amount of funds uh maybe sub 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 sub, sub uh, can't speak anymore even like <laughs> reduced by the fee <laughs> uh um, reduced by the fee basically that's the amount you get on the another network and essentially uh the the challenge with the bridges is that you know moving this liquidity is is very clunky at the moment uh it takes a bit well, actually, quite a lot of time, and and also it's not very capital efficient. Most of the assets are sleeping actually in those deposit contracts. So, with this portal feature, we realized that you know uh, actually uh, lending protocols like Aave are, are a very good place to store assets uh, across different networks wherever those um, uh, th- th- those protocols are deployed. So, essentially, um, if if we store assets in protocols like Aave, it means that uh will be actually interesting if you can move the assets, be- the, the accounting between one network to another in a way that you have some sort of um, trust component there. And what we created is this uh, portal. So portal is a way to actually uh, get whitelisted by the governance and, and you are able to actually uh, mint and, and burn A tokens um, in a way where you have a credit line. This and this credit line is just for the time that you actually settle the transaction. So, what happens um, in, in in an example is that you uh, you, you basically uh, burn a tokens uh, in one net one network, let's say the main market, and mint them in um, uh, Polygon market or Avalanche uh, market, and, and essentially. This feature by itself, when you do this uh, transaction under the hood as a as a bridge or some other entity, you're able to create services where you could actually uh, deposit into the main uh, Ethereum network and and actually then borrow on Polygon network and repay on on uh, let's say um, uh, layer two like Arbitrum or Optimistic uh, Optimism. So uh, it's 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 a way to move funds very seamless way and also the risk is reduced to the uh, caps of, of what those ports can do. So even in the portal, there's there's risk mitigation and also there's a lot of space for the community to build additional uh, mitigation tools such as staking and and so forth.
1: So just to clarify, when you use a portal, you're not actually moving the assets cross-chain. You are like, for example, you're putting Ether into the Ave version on Ethereum, but then the portal allows you to mint uh, new value on a different chain using that collateral in the main Ethereum version of Aave, or does Aave actually do move the capital, for the actual assets, from chain to chain?
2: So the capital doesn't need to be uh, moved from chain to, one chain to another. So what happens is that basically you you burn the balance uh, in in one network and then you basically mint the balance in another network, mm-hmm. and and basically so. You, you are using uh, so-called A-tokens. So when you deposit into the Ave protocol, what happens is that you um, you get A-tokens in return. And what these ports are doing, they just are uh, accounting between different networks. And this is how we move funds uh, faster between the uh, the networks itself.
1: Okay, so you deposit Ether into like the Ethereum version of Aave, you are received an a a ether or an Ave ether, but then you, using a portal, you can burn that Ave ether and then have that Ave ether be minted on like Avalanche or Phantom or Polygon. Is that how it works?
2: Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, and then, then once to
1: get your capital back, if you so you you always do you, you always have a deposit of Ave of your ether in the Ave version of the Ethereum l one? or does that become kind of owned by the protocol at the layer one, and then you just are have a claim on it later? How does that work?
2: so it's it's pretty much in a build in a way where uh, it's more about the the accounting. So, for okay. example, if you burn from one place, you mean in another place, So there's basically kind of like the, the accounting balance changes between those different, uh, markets.
0: And then can you use that a token, uh, outside of the Aave protocol? So like once, once you kind of do the burn on Ethereum, your Aeth on Ethereum, it's over to say Polygon, can I then use it in other places within the Polygon network? Or is this sort of, does it stay contained inside of Aave somehow?
2: It's inside of the the, the bridging component. So essentially, but you could what you could do actually um, for for the users uh, in terms of, for example, functionality, uh, you can build, uh, for example, on the user experience. Of course, the the minting and and burning happens in the uh, in the um, under the hood. But basically, you can, for example, uh, you can deposit in in one protocol, uh, and then uh, you can withdraw from. Sorry, in one network, and then we draw in another network. But what just happens in in between is that there's just balance mint and burn, uh, which happens in the uh, uh, portal itself. So it's kind of like a more of a accounting uh, measure and and, and, and basically uh, creating unbacked uh, tokens and then backing them uh, later.
0: That is fascinating. I guess this is not quite like a bridge. But what what would you classify this as? Do you think other protocols will will develop this sort of kind of accounting mechanism to allow the quick transfer of value from from one chain to another?
2: I think so because you what you create here is is uh, basically the speed, so you can transfer value from one network to another one uh, very quickly and efficiently. But also you can de- create. Uh, cross-chain applications. So, just to give some example, uh, many of the features that we created, uh, let's say in our version one and two, uh, we received use cases that we didn't actually uh, uh, kind of like anticipated before. So, for example, with with flash loans, which was one of the last implementations that we had into the the protocol, what we saw is that you know flash loans started to be used in terms of like arbitrage and and a uh, bunch of other interesting. Um, uh, features. So I, I think like this feature particularly, uh, the bridging is, is one of the um, use cases, but I think the more interesting stuff will happen once, once we have a new interesting application coming in and, and developers building things. So I could imagine you could do a lot of cross-chain activity. The, the, the deposit in one uh, network, draw capital in another one, and repay in some other network could be one example. But there's plenty of use cases probably in the future for this.
0: What's fascinating to me is because um, there's sort of a, a question, like an th- investment thesis question that's popped up on our radar and I think in the bankless community's radar, which is, okay, we've got the birth of all of these different chains, some alternative layer ones, and also um, layer twos, right? And so the question of will the existing DeFi protocols and networks will they spread and kind of invade those chains and maintain market share in those chains? Or will there be a new set of players and a new set of winners uh, that are, I guess, geographic specific, chain specific winners? So not necessarily Aave in a network like Optimism, but some Optimism type of lending and borrowing protocol pops up and starts to like win market share against Aave. But with this portal feature, it feels like what uh you're doing with with w- what Aave is doing is it's building sort of a, a network effect that crosses chains right so like Aave had a massive liquidity net lending and borrowing network effect on the Ethereum main chain now with this portal functionality it seems to like be building a network across all of these other chains and I'm wondering if you think that is one way that uh DeFi protocols like Aave will maintain their network effect as they spread from chain to chain
2: I, um I really think so I I think it's a one way to say that it's kind of like a competitive advantage in the sense kind of like that it creates a lot of uh brings sort of efficiency in how capital floats but for example in the version tree there is other features that are actually uh, I would say brings interesting network effect for especially uh in high transactioning uh, networks and with lower costs so for example we have the uh, high-efficiency mode, uh, and we call it also as uh, e-mode, which means that um, you could borrow uh, one particular asset at very high uh, collateral requirement uh, borrowing power. So, for example, you can borrow 98% of your uh, collateral, uh, and it applies to the uh, same category of assets. So let's say that you have DAI as a collateral. You can borrow 98% of uh, that value in USDC, and and then you can create different kinds of interesting transactions between stable coins uh if you want to go long and short but also like um it brings ability uh to do even uh a fax trading on chain with with uh, uh high leverage for example if you have a euro stable coin or let's say pound stable coin and you can go with a very high uh leverage which is quite fascinating but there's other use cases for example where you might have, for example, um, staked EAT as a collateral, and then you borrow, uh, let's say uh, up to 95% uh, EAT, and you restake it into the uh, EAT 2.0 staking, get the staked ETH again, and, and loop a bit. So there's sort of kind of like a, uh, 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 features and network effects that are actually designed on networks where you have low transaction cost and you need uh, s- speed. And just the ETH example is, is, is fascinating because uh, in the other protocol there is 1.3 or so billion worth of uh, uh, staked uh, eat as a collateral at the, at the moment wow. with relatively me- mediocre uh, uh, borrowing power so it just showcases like how much you could actually use and, and there is like a, even like a longer kind of like a idea here is that you know uh, if you can if you are able to leverage and and have this like liquid staking of, of eat uh, and it might apply uh, towards to let's say liquid AVAX and, and so forth. Uh, what happens is that um, lending markets uh, like the Aave uh, protocol might actually have the staking uh, yield uh, reduced by by uh, let's say the cost of the liquid staking. So you don't need to necessarily go and stake it to it 2.0. Uh, you could come to the Aave protocol and you can deposit and withdraw, and you know it, the, the the cost difference will not be that. Uh, high, so that that might happen uh, over like a longer period of time.
0: Okay. Okay. So we we just talked about uh, portals, and we just talked about E mode a little bit, and I I asked you that specific you know the specific question if these are ways for Ave to build a network effect across chains, and you're indicating yes yes they are. I guess I want to ask the zoom out question then too while we're here while we're talking about this because this is one of my burning questions for you going to this conversation, Stani. So. We are now in a multi uh, L1 world, multi L, um, layer two world. There's going to be lots of different chains, right? So it's no longer the Ethereum main chain since we we talked to you in you know 2020. Um, so how do you think this works, right? Will we have? geographic winners do you think right it's like uh, you know rather than you to swap you have a pancake swap or something or like a trader joe in in avalanche or do you think some of the big category winners that started on ethereum main chain will migrate to these other chains and just gobble up market share i want you to like put on your forecasting hat and tell me what you think will happen will we have local chain winners or we have will we have some major uh, category winners that span Many different chains, and another way to ask this is: there was a time where I think we thought that um, DeFi would have a whole bunch of blue chip types of assets and blue chip protocols. I think um, this is probably a symptom of price, right, with the the DeFi Pulse Index and some of these other blue chip categories, where D- DeFi assets have not risen as fast as uh, alternative Layer One assets and other assets, and so people are questioning, well. Maybe every chain will have its own category winner of DeFi. And so we can't, There, there's no such thing as DeFi blue chips anymore. Um, what do you think about all of this? Do you think we'll have category winners or geographic winners?
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely the landscape changed completely over the, 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 the past uh, year or year and a half. I mean, I still remember when, uh, you know, David, Ryan, me including, we were a bit more like uh, Ethereum uh, maxis. Well, I mean... To certain extent, and I mean, being born and raised kind of like in Ethereum as well, like it's it's very funny looking backwards and and being so uh, naive and thinking like you can transaction in 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 a scale where we are today with with, with Ethereum at, at this current state, of course. Uh, but like I, I I definitely believe that um, what, what you can do with the new change is that that uh, like new networks you can build new communities right so you can take something that already exists somewhere you know you can base, you can um fork that code base and create a new um uh, new protocol in a new uh, network and and maybe create a community around that but end of the day um i've seen few other forks and they haven't been super efficient mainly because um you know what counts is the uh, community. So, how much you can actually build a community around the the protocol. That's that's the starting point. The second is that how much you can actually uh, innovate and what is your rate of innovation. So, rate of innovation is something uh, very important to all communities because, um, especially when we're uh, innovating in a open environment where all code is public, you know everyone uh, shares their ideas relatively publicly in governance forums, like what to build next, um, uh, what kind of topics to work uh, and, and so forth. So uh, I would say that uh, if the, the community can keep up with the rate of innovation and who is able to constantly uh, bring new things uh, into the uh, environment, uh, that's where like kind of like we see a lot of uh, advancements. And it's the job then of the community to actually embrace the technology, support good decision making, govern the protocol and ensure that risk is managed and and, and also kind of like a, a bunch of other stuff that happens in, in governance. So I, I think like if we have a new network, let's say today, and there is a bunch of new communities there, uh, it might be that some of those na- native communities will will spill over to Ethereum, other networks, and they might be. Uh, They they might be very expensive, but end of the day, what happens and and, uh, will be important is like how much you're building things and how much you're able to make smart decisions as a community, you know, what kind of risk parameters you're applying, what are you doing with your treasury? So let's say Aave uh, protocol, for example, generates roughly uh, 50 million uh, worth of uh, uh, treasury on current annual rate. And that treasury is used to to further develop um, a lot of parts of the protocol improvements, technical depth, um, you know, and there's a bunch of protocols sitting on on big treasuries, but they aren't doing anything uh, necessarily. And this is where you can actually compete a lot. And I think it's very naive even to think about um, a a protocol that let's say uh, is a lending protocol, uh, to think in a way that, you know, we are only bound uh, to, let's say, Lending, or like uh, we will not do trading in the future. End of the day, it's all about how big community and big DAO you can uh, build, and and the network effect. So I, I think it's it's all about innovation. End of the day,
1: that's yeah. fascinating. The cross-chain portals, Donnie, is like such a huge conversation, and it's really just one of three big innovations out of out of Ave. Uh, yet yeah, we have spent so much time talking about it, and I'm not done yet because I still have a few more questions about the whole portals thing. And the the question is, I, it doesn't sound like you guys are using any bridges. You're not using Connect to get to Arbitrum or, or Optimism, and you're not using Wormhole or or any other sort of bridge to get cross layer one. It seems to be. It seems to me you've built your own messaging system between all the implementations of ave on all the various chains uh and and so i'm wondering how does the accounting work is there like a central a central source of truth of the accounting for all aves across all the various chains or is it Kind of just between the if like uh, I deposit ether on the Ethereum chain and then I want to m- mint a ether on Avalanche, the Ethereum version of Ave pings the Avalanche version of Ave to mint that a ether there because through the portal. How does that communication platform work? Is there one central ledger or is it just a matter of communication between Aves? And can you kind of just talk about the security trade-offs between using an actual bridge versus a messaging platform between the uh, different versions of Ave?
2: Yeah, so there's, there's one uh, thing I need to correct is that there is basically the, uh, the, the portal is a place where you can get depth uh, as a port. So, so a port can be a bridge, for example. So what we, what we are planning uh, to do and like how we vision the, the portal feature to work is that there's different kind of bridges uh, at the moment. There is a bunch of selection that you can have. You, ha- you can have hop protocol, you have uh, uh, connects and all these bridges and what the what the the bridges can actually do is that they can get the credit line to uh uh, mint and burn uh a tokens uh basically up to a certain um uh cap for example so and this cap is voted by the the other governance meaning that uh let's say uh we have a new bridge that is uh requesting to become one of the ports and and to mint and burn a tokens and and then the other governance needs to decide okay so what will be the amount that uh, that particular bridge, based on you know, their technology, you know, their community, uh, reputation, they, they should basically be able to um, uh, mint and burn up to that particular cap? So, one thing, uh, so that's just the, the starting point. The, the second thing, uh, the, the phase two will be to think so, if there is the, the, the cap to mint them uh, into a certain uh, depth level, uh, essentially how we can actually backstop that main thing should there be some sort of like a staking separate staking module or the current safety module applying to that um, uh, those uh, uh, minting caps or how we should do and that's pretty much something that we haven't built before uh, yet and it's more about the the other governance to to kind of like decide whether to apply token economics there or or just uh, rely on the reputation that okay, we trust that whole bridge, you know, they, they basically uh, clear the accounting and, and kind of like uh, the there won't be any differences between uh, different networks in their balances. So the, the, it, it, it actually empowers uh, the current bridging ecosystem.
1: Okay. So, yeah. So it does tap into the various bridges that are cross-chain, yes. cross-layer two. Are there bridges that Ave has already supported or is that up
2: to Ave governance? It's completely up to Aave governance, essentially. And there is a recently uh, a proposal, well, it's more of a governance uh, discussion made by uh, Mark Zeller from, from the uh, Aave Genesis team of a framework of actually how do you apply uh, to become a port in the uh, portal. And essentially, it's just a whitelisting of a particular uh, address of by course, the Aave governance.
1: Of course, the bull case for bridges is that so many users will be porting Uh, money across them and and making a lot of uh, volume go across the bridges. But I think people are always forgetting that it's probably actually going to be the DeFi apps themselves that use bridges way more than the actual users. And I think Aave is is a fantastic example of this. And of course, uh, yeah. Just just to reiterate, the, the significance of a multi-chain, multi-layer one, multi-layer two world is definitely uh, uh, illustrated in how important this portal topic is and why we've given that it so much time. But I think, Ryan, I think we're ready to move on to some of the other two uh, big features out of Aave V3. The next one, uh, Stani, is efficiency mode, which, which you alluded to earlier. But can we just back up and start from scratch with efficiency mode? What is e-mode?
2: Yeah, so E mode is, is really fascinating. So essentially, whatever, uh, if you have a same category asset, so the same category could be like uh, one stablecoin uh, collateral against another stablecoin borrow. And that could be like a USD stablecoin collateral, uh, euro borrow. So, typical scenario is that you could, for example, um, deposit uh, 100,000 worth of um, USDC, USDC into the protocol borrow uh, up to 98 thousand uh, uh, let's say euro stable coin and then you can sell the euro if you are going for a short or vice versa so it it actually allows you to do this kind of like a very efficient um, uh, FX trading even but also that that's that apply and between two different uh, same stable coin if there is some sort of arbitrage difference between let's say usdc and uh, USDT, for example, but also it applies to same asset categories, for example, between ETH and, and liquid ETH, for example, staked ETH. And in that use case, for example, uh, you, can, you can deposit your ETH uh, into a uh, liquid um, staking provider, such as Lido Finance, and, and then you get in return staked ETH you can deposit it back to the protocol and and borrow again eat and redeposit and make it more capital efficient of your uh eat staking so you can leverage on on your staked uh eat essentially and and this is the, the the reason it's more uh high efficiency is because um the eat and stake eat they correlate in the same way uh, in terms of the the volatility the same way as for example uh, USDC and, and DAI, they correlate quite closely in volatility because they're pegged into the same uh, currency. There's minor differences, of course. And in terms of, let's say, USDC collateral and uh, your borrow, uh, what happens there is that there is just minor amount of volatility because uh, fiat currencies are less volatile than we, we anticipate, kind of like a uh, the crypto uh, assets to be. The same applies to... Uh, uh, Bitcoin and and Bitcoin as an example.
1: Really the theme I'm seeing here with all these innovations and on Aave V3 is just empowering users to be able to do more, just unlocking the full power of DeFi with more and more optionality for the users. The, the last uh, big feature that I think comes out of Aave V3 is uh, what's called isolation mode. Uh, and I think this kind of really taps into Aave's strengths. And it's really its differentiator from what has perceived to be its historical competitor Compound, where Compound has been kind of the ultra conservative, uh, very few collateral types, where Aave's... Uh, lends itself a little bit more to opening up more collateral types, allowing for more and more use cases to come about. But of course, you can't, onboard every single collateral type because every single collateral type has its own risks. So I think this, uh, this isolation mode, which I'm going to ask you about in a second, is really trying to get the best of both worlds where Aave really lets itself be useful to the long tail of assets while compartmentalizing that risk of those assets to make sure that it doesn't have any contagion to the rest of Aave. Sonny, could you explain isolation mode and what it is and how it's helpful for users?
2: Yeah, and isolation mode is something that actually derives of the, um, how the Aave community works and, and, and the spirit of the community, because uh, the Aave community, and, and um, David, you gave an example, for example, about Compound, like in Aave, I think the, the community has always been uh, excited about uh, uh, listing new assets, and every new asset uh, or going to uh, a new network is always a new opportunity to tap into new user base, into new culture, Um, and in case of ABE, there's been a lot of asset listings, but very, very conservative uh, risk parameters. So so basically, the listing has been very um, um, more kind of like a uh, uh, flexible, but then we kind of like compensate in a way where we have just uh, more conservative risk parameters compared to other uh, lending protocols. So essentially, we were thinking, like, uh, if you believe in the future where all of these assets will be tokenized, real world assets, um, you know, and we have just bunch of bunch of assets, depending on, um, like, govern, used to govern different DeFi protocols or just getting community members together um, in, in greater economy, NFTs and, and and whatnot. So we just believe that there's going to be, um, you know, hundreds of different assets that are, like, um, relatively uh, suitable for, um, using as a collateral or, or getting listed into the Aave protocol. Uh, what's important is that we have a way of uh, scaling where new assets could be listed into the protocol in a way where uh, it can happen very early, but the risk is uh, mitigated. So the mitigation here is that an asset can be listed uh, by decision of Aave governance in so-called isolation mode, meaning that normally when you deposit into an asset into the Aave protocol, let's say you have ETH and then you deposit ABE, you can use those both borrowing powers and just borrow anything you want. And that's your whole kind of like a uh, collateral that, that is used to, to uphold and, and keep your position. In isolation mode, what happens is that uh, you can use that particular asset as a collateral, but um, in a way that you can't use your other other assets as a collateral. and And this means that that particular asset is siloed uh, away from the the other collateral uh, exposures. And on on top of that, there's minor uh, addition, like across all the assets is the fact that we have supply caps everywhere. So each single pool has a supply cap and also the um, uh, exposure, the, the borrow cap as well. So essentially, this means that we could list a new asset relatively quickly with a very low debt cap, supply caps, and also Uh, isolated. And this brings uh, new communities, users to to use the protocol.
0: That's really fascinating. And uh, I'm glad Aave is doing that. It'll help Aave conquer kind of the long tail of of tokens and get new collateral sources onboarded more quickly. I'm curious, while we're on this subject, um, since the last time we talked, there's been a lot of protocol development. Uh, One protocol, which is interesting, and maybe not this specific one, but the philosophy undergirding it is um, RARI and the, the RARI capital, um, token, and they have sort of, a like an ungovernance sort of, uh, process, right? There's, there's not an actually on chain vote for, um, creating a new collateral pool. Instead, they sort of let the market, uh, create whatever pool they want in a permissionless way and sort of price the risk accordingly. What do you think of approaches like, like RARI? Is that interesting for Aave or is that kind of counter to, uh, to the premise of what the Aave protocol is trying to do?
2: No, I think it's it's quite fascinating what they're doing. And I, I really appreciate it because essentially, uh, governance minimization is an important topic. And it's something where uh, many protocols can actually, uh, they can uh, function without governance, for example. Uh, protocol like Uniswap could function without governance, but you know the, the governance can actually manage the treasury. And there's a bunch of things that actually uh, get all the all those community members together, so it makes sense there as well. In terms of the um, uh, the the permissionless listing, for example, the in our protocol we added a feature into the uh, into the reserves uh, called um, uh, risk ad- admins. It's a access control to create additional smart contract logic where uh, you could basically create uh, logic based on permissionless listing, but for example, you could uh, bind it with, with, let's say, token economics, uh, uh, different kinds of staking ideas where, you know, uh, by staking, let's say, Ava um, into a particular asset, you can increase um, uh, the, the loan to value ratios, which is the, the, the borrowing powers and even affect the, the interest rate, rate curves. So that is something that can be built uh, further with this risk admin uh, features. Uh, my kind of like a challenge with the, the permissionless uh, listing is that how do we ensure that kind of like a uh, right people are using that, but that's also kind of like a UX uh, question. But I think governance minimization is, is very important. And I love what they're also doing in terms of the, uh, the idea of delegation of, of governance. And for example, in our case, like delegation of governance can be um, delegating the listing to risk admins uh, delegating interest rate strategies to service providers, uh, such as, for example, Gauntlet. For example, at the current state, uh, Gauntlet is providing uh, dynamic risk parameters. So they are actively monitoring the markets and and proposing new parameters to the Aave governance. Now the challenge here is that uh, every single vote actually requires um, to reach the 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 Aave DAO um, the short uh, time lock quorum. Everyone needs to come together. And you have need to have um, quite a big amount of uh, capital and votes to pass that kind of proposal. But if you have brackets where actually service providers like Content could actually um, uh, submit those parameters, you could actually delegate to that entity. And and this decision can be made by the other governance. You know, and it can be like pre-delegated in the future again, depending on you know if there is more competition or um uh, and, and 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 different kinds of uh, uh scenarios so the protocol is ready for that kind of a feature but it's depends on the the governance like how much they want to introduce risk and if there's more risk or delegation uh, to what extent as well but essentially it's there for 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 the governance and, and ready for the version two uh, three
0: one thing I love about the Ave community's approach to all of this is Ave is like always moving forward. Like it's always pushing the ball forward. And I think in, in a lot of crypto circles, and sometimes, you know, maybe maybe bankless too, David and I, um, we 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 glorify or we overemphasize the value of ossification, right? Ossification, because now no one can change it and you know what you get and it's a beautiful thing. Only the only the code is in charge, right? No longer humans. Um and like many things about Ave are ossified, but also you guys are continuing to push the envelope and build new features and expand into new uh, horizons. And as I said, you're always moving forward. I'm curious: is there anything else you want to mention about the V3 features? That's kind of one question. And the second question, tied to that, is is also like: is there ever a time at which Ave is done. Like, is V three the the fully ossified version of Ave, or is there going to be a V four, a V five, a V six, a V, you know, ten? Are we going to have as many Aves as we have uh, iPhone versions? Yeah. How many uh, shows are we going to do with you, Stani? Yeah. <laughs> What's a year, maybe? So those two, those two um, questions. What else in V three should we know about, and uh, when is Ave done?
2: I mean, there's a long list of different kinds of improvements that we have made. Uh, there's there is gas optimization as well and and kind of like I um, we have also the the ability to um, ensure that for example in layer twos if, if sequences are down so there's a kind of like a um, remorse period before liquidation can occur so so there is a lot of uh, smaller features that are uh, specifically related to l2 and and a lot of technical improvements um, but I think also like something that we haven't uh, shilled uh, enough is the fact that we also revamped the whole uh, user experience. So we what we took is that we rebuilt the whole other application from scratch, uh, which is was amazing. Um, and, and I'm super excited that we did that decision in our development team because essentially we have an application that just functions well, way better uh, at the moment and, and the user experience is way uh, more smoother. And, and the thing is that it's a community UI, so it's it's accessible through Pass, you know, and anyone can actually uh, contribute to that code base as well. One of the challenges in, in DeFi is that you usually build monolithic products, so you want to build you know, the safe, secure thing and and then, you know, it, there's just a, very difficult to contribute as a developer when you come into this space because you necessarily don't know how to build uh, smart contract infrastructure uh, and, and you know the front end might be your way to web 3 uh, in terms of like contributions. So we did that uh, as well. And in terms of versions, I think like we're trying to actually decentralize more and more the uh, development of the of the ecosystem and we would love to see more people contributing uh, directly and, and to of course our team as well. Uh, But essentially, I don't think there is going to be an ending of of, uh, innovation. I I think our our community loves that. There is enough funding in the treasury. It's a self-sustainable DAO. The ecosystem is just thriving. I I just don't see a way where we could stop uh, doing what we're doing at the moment.
1: And so that was all of Ave V3. But what's interesting to me about Ave, Ave the team, Ave the organization, is that just building on Ave seems to not be enough for Stani the builder and the <laughs> Ave team, because there's a whole entire other world going on with Ave in regards to Lens Protocol. And uh, we, Stani, we've had you on for almost an hour now, and it was just about Ave V3. But there's so much more to talk about. So we're gonna have to cut to sponsors here in a second. But there's uh, been some Twitter activity between you and Elon Musk. There's also a growing social media mafia that i think you are growing over on the ave team there's a lot of things to talk about with lens protocol Uh, so right after we get back from the break i want to pick your brain all about that but first before we get there we have to take a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible all right, guys, and we are back with Stani from Ave, and and Stani, something interesting is going on with your Twitter header on on the both mobile and desktop. But if you go to the Stani's Twitter, uh, his header says this PFP real estate is for rent, and you have your Twitter uh, picture just as a blank white circle. What's going on with that, Stani? What what are you what are
2: you up to on your Twitter profile? <laughs> yeah, I I think I've been kind of like a recently like quite a lot of like cu- being very curious about um uh, social media and and you know how to build uh more innovation on that side but especially like this experimentation is is pretty much uh kind of like an uh, i would say like an event to raise a bit of uh funds for the um uh, uh mm-hmm. but also it's kind of like an interesting experiment in the sense that uh what if you could actually you know rent um uh, you know your prof- profile Uh, picture real estate to someone else or or maybe your header and uh to be honest like the web to social media it doesn't have the kind of like a features to do that but at the same time um uh it's it's something that's um you know it's not part of the the web to social media and how it's it's structured today and i think like it boils down towards like a bigger discussion of what we have been uh, talking about Adobe, so we, obviously, we we built um, a social graph uh, called Lens Protocol. And one of the main things there is that, you know, you have the ownership of your profile uh, on chain and also the relationship with your uh, followers. And there's sort of things re- regarding towards like what we're building Lens Protocol, but also there's so much innovation missing currently in the Web2 social, which is just um, kind of like a... Uh, um, I don't know. I, I feel what I've seen now recently, especially like what we're building with, with Social Graph is that uh, we could actually take the experience way more further and bring the uh, value back to the users. And I think that's, what, that's just part of what we're doing at the, at the moment.
0: This kind of unlocks my curiosity, right? So like, are, are you envisioning a world with web three where it's much more open? like Twitter, you can't do this, but somebody yeah. could create like a composable uh, some sort of primitive, like D plus web three kind of mashup where I could just like bid on your profile picture for a week and like, maybe that's in stable coins or something, but just like, I, I suddenly can bid and own rent out your, your profile picture for a week and it's all very seamless and automated. And, you know, um, I, I, guess, you know, taps into the power of your community Are these types of features, what excite you about web three or give us some like sci-fi type features.
2: Yeah. Because in the current form, the way we build up to social, uh, how it works essentially is that, you know, you, you have uh, different kind of interactions. You, as a user, you, you create your audience in a. Uh, one platform and uh, you can't move that audience from one place to another. So you're kind of like bound towards that, let's say database and and the platform and and so forth. And essentially you're also bound the way that they, uh, you know, the algorithms they use and the way they monetize and collect data. So essentially Web2 Social is is about uh, capturing the data interactions that you you do on the platform and then selling services and products to you that you might uh, buy. That's that's pretty much how it uh, works, and all the algorithms is adjusted to finding you uh, what you could buy and and increasing the the revenue. So at, at the moment there there isn't a way actually to um, have a system where you know all the developers just come to, can come together and build competing algorithms, competing user experiences, and and actually. Um, Allow the users to vote with their feet uh, very easily and go towards applications that are providing them better uh, algos, you know, more algorithms that maybe are uh, exp- exp- have more of the exploring uh, side instead of like this echo chamber that you have in in Twitter. So what we did is that um, we created uh, a protocol that is essentially a social graph, meaning that you create your profile once. And anyone that builds an application on top of the the Lens protocol um, uh, can leverage of the whole uh, social graph uh, user base. So you, as a developer, you don't need to focus on actually growth hacking uh, the the platform and the network effect. And building social media is very hard uh, these days. Uh, Just to give an example, I mean, creating something like Clubhouse takes sort of effort, and you have to uh, create a big platform. But here, let's say if you have 10 to 15 applications built on top of the Lens protocols, protocol, they're all road hacking the same social graph. Essentially everyone is helping to each other, feeding the graph, uh, providing users and sharing resources. Essentially it's a public good for, for the whole community.
0: And does this give me self-sovereignty over my social graph?
2: If yes. For me, the, the coolest thing is, of course, like I can go and create the the uh, uh, profile for myself, and that profile is also there's very heavy use of tokenization. So the profile is tokenized, and also the the, the follow graph is, is tokenized. So, for example, when I uh, follow, for example, uh, David, I'm I'm his uh, first follower. So I will get uh, David follow NFT uh, number one, uh, and if Ryan is the second one. Uh, uh, for some reason, Brian gets the follow uh, token ID uh, number two and so forth. And those follow token uh, tokens, NFTs, they always reflect uh, the content that you post. So they're dynamic NFTs. So, for example, when um, David has a picture of a dog, uh, the follow NFTs will, uh, as a content posted, those, those follow NFTs will reflect the picture of the dog. So if David decides to post a picture of the cat, the follow NFTs will update dynamically and showcase uh, the picture of the cat. And that's a dynamic NFT. So it essentially makes all the front ends, whether it's an application built on top of the lens protocol or it's OpenSea or some other wallet, they become uh, by default uh, uh, distribution channels and front ends for the uh, common social graph, which is quite insane if you think about it. And then uh, you can, of course, collect the content. So from those dynamic NFTs, you can actually uh, collect immutable uh, NFTs as well. So if I really, really like the picture of the cat, what can I actually do? I can collect it, but also the collection logic is set by the, the application and, and and David. So David can basically say that only my followers can collect this or followers, uh, token ID, uh, let's say one, sorry, Ryan, and, and then, uh, Alternatively, like maybe token ID two, but you have to have board Ape in your wallet uh, as well. So bunch of logic, or you can option or have limited edition. So the reason why there's a lot of optionality is that the whole protocol is uh, built uh, with smart contracts and everything is modularized. So one thing we learned with the uh, Arbor protocol is that to get a lot of contribution, you need to uh, create pieces of your smart contract infrastructure where everyone can come and create a new module, a new piece, a new kind of a logic. Just to give an example, uh, there's community members that have built um, bonding curve curve collection logics, uh, also a very fascinating uh, follow uh, module where you pay to follow uh, to the um, uh, profile owner, and then the profile uh, owner can actually share the revenue of the collects. So you can actually create a uh, creator uh, uh funding as well and and share the proceeds of of your uh your net your kind of like a broadcasting channel
0: i know david has a follow-up question but i just i just wanted to make one one comment here which is like this this early um i guess analogy we've had about crypto which is like you know a a tech tree tech tree in a video game that you slowly unlock and so many of the things that you just said the reason why web3 wasn't possible in 2016 or uh, like Web three social wasn't possible in 2016 or or 2018 or or even 2020 because we didn't have we didn't unlock the um, the previous branches on the tech tree and now we have right it's so like things that words that use like tokens right well that came from smart contracts that came from DeFi now they're maturing so we have that primitive that we're working with and nfts and now we have uh that primitive that that we're working with as well and now we have like the in raw ingredients to start to create an on-chain social graph and scalability right what what you said to you Sonny is going to require a lot of block space it strikes me so the reason we didn't see web3 social I think in the earlier manifestations is because we hadn't unlocked the tech tree and now we've got these branches of the tech tree and now maybe we're ready for web3 social but if we are it feels very much like today uh, 2022 in web3 is kind of like nfts were in like 2019 like we're just like scratching the surface and they haven't had their mainstream moment that was my comment david i know you got a question though
1: yeah, we're a little bit beyond this, but for the public record, uh, David will not be posting cat photos on, on Lens Protocol. Strong strong team dog over here. Oh, well done, Stani. Uh, I'll, I'll have to get that, that Lens Protocol in the stream in, in a second. But just for, for the listeners, here's here's my like understanding of this, and Stani, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, imagine if we had, like, Twitter has its specific algorithms, Instagram has its specific algorithm, Facebook has its specific algorithm. But I, the way that I'm understanding Lens Protocol is that we can more or less recreate create a lot of these very basic algorithms, but it's the algorithms that become interchangeable as in like now there's surface area for developers to compete on, the best algorithm for the users. And so Lens Protocol, it's not a social media platform. It's not a Twitter. It's not a Facebook. It's a social media meta platform. It's like a meta platform for hosting many types of social medias that allows um, whereas Facebook is very, very closed and well-gardened and so is Twitter and so is basically every other Web2 social media or like platform. Lens Protocol is the inverse of that. It's uh, you know opening it up to developers to compete to build their own algorithms and their own profiles and their own uh platforms for users to have fun in in the ways that you know we always kind of hoped web2 platforms would would have blossomed into is that is that a good mental model or and what would you add to that
2: yeah it, it definitely is because uh something we realized with with uh decentralized finance and, and definitely one of the building blocks that had to happen before that and and you know nft's greater economy is that when you have an open ecosystem where everyone can contribute and 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 there is no Kind of like a barrier, or the barrier is very low, uh, you will see a lot of fun and a lot of innovation um, happening. And in terms of, uh, and of course, like open system means that uh, you could build things that maybe you couldn't do in a closed system before. So essentially, let's say if you have an open social graph where you know anyone can pretty much like create their um, uh, profile and their, their follow graph, and and by the way, uh, this is amazing tool also for uh, DAOs because. Um, uh, First time ever, a, a DAO can actually uh, own a permissionless uh, uh, profile and 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 also have a uh, broadcasting channel to their audience. So, for example, the Aave DAO can create a uh, uh, and own a lens uh, uh, handle, and what it means that if you have a big smart contract change or any kind of government governance uh, update, part of that smart contract payload, you could also have, you know, post this. Um, uh, change log or the output of this governance decision, uh, also into the lens, uh, protocol to, to all the, uh, uh followers. So it's a way to also create permissionless, uh, handles for, for DAOs. And I think that's going to be an interesting and fascinating, uh, use case, but just to give example, um, you know, when, when you have this, uh, open social graph, uh, you know, then the, the uh, builders, uh, they don't need to focus of actually you know, getting a lot of users. They can just innovate on on the front-end level. Maybe there's something that you could do better on, on Twitter. Maybe you can create completely new experience. And social media has always been about how you interact with the content and finding new ways, which, for example, we saw with uh, with TikTok and also algorithms. And TikTok, for example, rewards uh, things that go viral uh, very quickly and, and people um, yeah, like the the content they like, and maybe uh, it allows also to to build those new algorithms. So let's say, for example, that uh, algorithm that rewards uh, something to become viral might not be very healthy. Or you know, you could actually build an algorithm that is uh, more humane, um, and or, or algorithm that is just uh, somehow finds you content that you really really like more, and you're you're not bound to the the platform. So you have. battle of uh like front ends um competing on the user experiences and also finding new application niche social media and also you have the 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 kind of like a competition between algorithms and then uh i could imagine uh one particular front end where you come and you can actually uh, choose different user experiences but you could also uh, choose which algorithm you want to use so you could actually you know, drop down and select um, or swipe different algos, you know, and it it just brings sort of opportunities to the the developers. And recently we had the uh, Aleph Grow hackathon, which is the first like Web3 social media hackathon that we did uh, with the global team. Uh, We had over 530 hackers and and 116 uh, different projects being hacked. And it's just insane how many young developers are out there and what they can actually build in a short period of time. And we saw multiple front ends being built in a period of Hmm. a week and a half.
1: Well, Stani, I think I missed you at East Denver, but this very much uh, aligns with the talk that I gave there, which talks about how um, where Web2 Web, th- web two protocols, when Web2 algorithms are competing to produce rage, Web3 protocols are competing for our love and affection. So I would imagine that uh, something with Lens Protocol would finally enable people to opt out of the rage algorithm and perhaps opt into the love and affection algorithm. Uh, it definitely sounds like a, a positive future for us. And uh, very much in line with the very shippy nature of, of Aave, uh, you've uh, poached some pretty interesting interesting talent from around the Web2 sphere. Uh, the lead data scientist for Twitter Stories is now on the team Ave. We already talked to uh, Christina, for, who uh, was lead uh, TikTok business development. You've also poached some, some pretty high quality talent from, from Apple as well. Stani, what's going on over there? Are you building like a social media mafia? What, how? Tell us about the team that's being built over uh, Behind Lens Protocol.
2: Yeah, I mean, we had definitely amazing hires uh, in the past year, and I'm, I'm super proud how much of our team actually is, um, uh, there is like a lot of combination of uh, uh, community members from the Web3 and, and who has been in the space and, and are very experienced in, experience in smart contracts and, and talent coming from Web3 uh, and also uh, more from fintechs as well. So it's kind of like a very diverse set of, of, of talent that is coming into Aave, and, and definitely, I, I think it's uh amazing opportunity at the moment that we are able to attract a lot of people from different kinds of industries and especially from big tech. I think um, there's also some sort of realization with uh, people that I talk and talent from from big tech in terms of like what Web3 as an opportunity means and, and how we build things and how the community aspect um, is important here. And, and I think like many... Uh, folks that are working in uh, big tech and, and these big social media companies, they're pretty much like tired in the models of, of um, having kind of like to build applications where you uh, uh, basically extract data from users and kind of like provide the s- same uh, behavior of, of selling services. And, and the proposition of user-on-network is just a big value proposition and networks that are actually um kind of like uh bound by the um uh, governed by the, the daos uh, and I, I think uh we will see more and more uh, talent coming into the space so i'm super excited to uh to hire more so if anyone is out there so just uh <laughs> reach me out um and and um and you know let's talk more
1: is there a roadmap for Lens Protocol? When, when do I get to go play with it? As a non-developer, as a user that needs the developers to build some stuff, uh, what should I be paying attention to with the future of uh, Lens
2: Protocol? Yeah, I think if you go to dot, 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 dot Dev, so docs.lens.dev, um, you have an amazing documentation that is done by our engineering team and our, our, our content team tried to make it as beautiful as possible. Uh, you can actually uh, interact directly with the smart contracts, but also would build a very powerful API. And the API means that actually you can extract data from the uh, from the protocol without uh, in an indexed fashion. So, for example, if you want to get all the data about different kinds of uh, you, know, um, you know follow modules or or even NFTs that that the a particular wallet address has in, in mainnet or Polygon, you can do that with the the API. So it's it's a way of actually helping people to build faster uh, social media applications. And what I want to see more maybe in the future from developers building actually community uh, front ends that can be forked by anyone, and and we can just uh, innovate as fast as possible in the space.
0: Stani, uh, we've talked about Ave v3, which has been awesome. The, re- the return of Ave, even though Aave never left, um, and we also talked about just now Lens Protocol, what you're doing in the Web3 space. Why don't I want to just round this out and close this out, uh, getting getting kind of your your OG veteran hat a little bit and your perspective on the space right now. So, number of things going on that that uh, we we could talk about. Um, and one one question I think I have for you right now is. Uh, it seems like a lot of the the value and some of the the attention, at least in the Ethereum space, has been uh, sucked out of DeFi recently. If, at least if you look at kind of token uh, market caps and gone into Ether, right? Uh, so the uh, the DPI to ETH ratio has been has been bleeding, um, and people are wondering if DeFi will will recover against the value of ETH. What's your take on this? Are you are you bullish on DeFi? I'm I'm sure your answer is going to be yes, but like, how about relative eth- to Ether yeah. as an asset, as denominated in Ether? What do you think? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, swap my background to Abe, uh, so I'm putting my DeFi cat on. I I, I think <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think um, no, I, I I think these protocols are meant to stay, and and maybe not the technology itself, but say. But uh, what is the surplus is the the DAOs and the the treasuries they're collecting uh, and and the ability to innovate further. So I I think what happens is that uh, over the period of time, those communities that can constantly continue innovating securely uh, and bringing new things into the space um, will definitely thrive. But I think in terms of like user adoption, especially with the layer twos and other networks, we will see more and more users coming. And I really, really believe that uh, Web3 protocols are meant to, you know, be scaled something like IP or HTTPS, where they're in, in a very quite mainstream adoption. It will take time to get there, but the important thing is to realize that Web3 networks they don't need to grow to, like fast as in Web2 platforms, for example, and especially in social media. If you don't have a successful platform in the next, in in the couple of years, you kind of are in the graveyard zone. But in Web3, you know, uh, networks can propagate very slowly, whether it's social media. Good example is ENS. It has been around for years, and it's slowly growing all the time. Uh, uh, Pop as well, for example, started one person giving uh, proof of attestation in different events, and it's growing into a protocol and and so forth. So over years, so everything doesn't need to actually be very much like fast tech here in, in Web3. And that's, I think, that's, that keeps me calm and, and excited to build new things.
0: Another rapid fire question for you then. Uh, so what's your take on alter- alternative layer ones versus the L2 ecosystem on Ethereum? Do you think uh, one is going to outcompete the other? Do you think that there's room for both? Uh, just general thoughts on this.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think there's room for everyone, but the market share depends on, on how much there's innovation in all of these communities. And 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 kind of like uh, and and the community support there. So I, I think all of them will exist, but then market share will depend on, on how how much we see uh, those communities building.
0: How about this new crop of uh, DeFi builders that we've seen lately, and like on, under a moniker of uh, DeFi two It feels like there's some uh, there's some DeFi zoomer blood out there some gen z blood Definitely that some cultural are building some new things yeah it's cultural differences from the defi class of 2018 2019 and the defi class of <laughs> 2021 and 2022 what what do you think of these uh these new defi builders
2: are, are you trying saying I'm, I'm i'm old or what i'm saying all of us <laughs> are old, feel stony. old stony. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we've all aged two decades in the last two years <laughs>
2: it's true one one year in um, uh, DeFi is ten year in That's ten right. year in normal life and and one hundred years in tradFi. So <laughs> yes, uh, no, I I think it's amazing that that there is a lot of uh, young people out there building decentralized finance, and I think I think one observation is that the more young younger people we have, they're more smarter. So I don't know how where this kind of like a wisdom comes from, but uh it for me like it even takes a lot of time to understand some of these protocols and, and 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 i need to put a lot of effort in investigating and understanding them so i think it's good for the space and i would rather see more and more innovation and if there's someone out there who actually wants to work together even you know feel free to to uh, message me i'm, I'm happy to uh, to 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 help as well
0: there you go, guys. One of the OG builders in the space just invited you to message him if you're building something <laughs> <That's for> interesting. <laughs> Stani, thanks so much. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, we always appreciate your vision, everything you're doing in crypto and in DeFi. So thanks for taking us through all of this. Really exciting to see Ave V3 launch. Really exciting to see what you do with Lens in the future. And all of the other things that you're probably going to build in crypto as well. So we appreciate your time.
2: Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you, David. This is this was amazing, amazing reunion. Cheers, <laughs>
1: Absolutely, let's, let's do it again less in less than a year next time. Yeah,
2: let's,
0: <laughs> let's definitely do that. Um, yeah. Bankless community, some takeaways for you. I hope you were listening very intently and carefully. Uh, it seemed to me in the first part we talked a little bit about investing in the community. That's what you are doing when you're you're buying a protocol. You're not just buying one static idea. You're investing in community. The best coordinated DAOs and protocols will win and they are not limited to what they do when they start. They can evolve in many different directions. We've certainly seen that with Aave. Um, Guys, if you are on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe to this. If you are listening to this on the podcast, give us a review. Give us a five-star review, preferably. That's how we get Bankless to the top of the charts. Um, Risks and disclaimers. Gotta, of course, end with these. None of this has been financial advice. Bitcoin is risky, even though we didn't talk about it. So is ETH, so is DeFi. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It isn't for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.